Welcome back to the Forging Life Podcast. I am your host, Trey Ryder, and today I have a powerful uh, conversation with David Waldy. And man, we we dive deep into uh, fear sympathy, which is part of what he does as part of his business. And David Waldy, he's a life and business strategist. He's a speaker and helping entrepreneurs to master their emotions, business systems, and personal habits. And his fierce empathy serves to empower leaders to get out of their way, create aligned abundance, and never stop becoming who they said they would be. So we dive into, in this conversation, we dive into a little bit about fierce empathy. We hear about David's backstory and what truly made him who he is today and how or what the difference is between empathy, sympathy, compassion is, and dive into just so much. So be prepared, and I hope you have something to take notes because we're jumping into it right now. You're listening to the Forging Life Podcast, where we sit down with the most epic entrepreneurs, parents, veterans, and so many others that have gone through some crazy challenges inside of their life to be able to forge forward and come out on the other side. And in this podcast, you're going to be able to listen to some of the ways that they were able to grow their business and quality of life. My name is Trey Ryder, and I'm your personal and professional coach, helping you to live intentionally and have a higher quality of life. Let's go. Hello, David. I am so happy to have you here today on the Forging Life podcast. Uh, first and foremost, let everybody know exactly what you do. And uh, I, as always, we kind of dive into your previous story, meaning your upbringing and what got you to today, because the Forging Life podcast is all about how you've ultimately forged your life, the challenges that you've overcome because somebody might be going through those same challenges right now and don't have the answers to them. So if you can kind of break that down for us, um, and as always, welcome to the Forging Life Podcast. Thank you, Trey, man. I'm honored to be here. That's a big question, brother. That's a big question. <laughs> um, so I would definitely try and do my best, but uh, I am one of those that's probably similar to many that are listening, um, just multifaceted. I've got my hands in a lot of different things. I love uh, being very engaged in different projects. I, um, you know, currently do a number of different, uh, different projects around speaking, around consulting, I do some coaching, uh, program development. And a lot of my orientation is, is around serving either entrepreneurs uh, in a certain capacity, depending on the type of entrepreneur. And then I work a lot with empathic people or people that kind of self-identify as empaths, uh, those that have a lot of tendencies towards uh, feelings and emotions. Like we feel life, we're, we're living in a state of feeling all of the things. <laughs> and so uh, I do a lot with, um, um, with, with all of that. And so it's really hard to kind of say specifically sometimes because uh, depending on uh, the company that I'm working with at any given time or the entrepreneurs that I'm working with, uh, the focus is really 
is really on the individual. So a lot of times I'm working with leaders who are trying to develop their teams. A lot of times I'm working on sales and marketing strategy. Uh, a lot of times I'm just talking about empathy and having more empathy in the workplace or in our relationships and empathy for ourselves. And so multifaceted, but I, I guess as far as your question for my story, like how far back do you want me to go, man? <laughs> You know, what created you, David? So, I mean, coming up was, you know, my you, mom and dad, first of all, no, I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, and the strangest thing. I mean, we have something in common here. Yeah. So um, what created me? I will tell you that, like, personally, uh, a big part of my story is, is my faith. So anything and everything that I want to share, you know, following this, uh, I just want anyone listening to have an understanding that that's predicated on my belief that it's been God's favor and blessing on my life. Um, and it's one of those things that I find challenging in the space that we occupy uh, personal development and growth and entrepreneurship and success and all these different things, because uh, growing up, I did not have anything inside of me that wanted to become an entrepreneur at all. Uh, my dad was, uh, he was a veterinarian. He started his own practice. And what I grew up being conditioned to believe entrepreneurship meant was just that dad's not here. You know, um, it was very challenging because both my parents worked. And so my frame that I was looking at entrepreneurship was, uh, was not something that I ever aspired to. Uh, I really did not want to work 80, 90, 100 hours a week. I didn't want to be away from my family. And so uh, it was never really on the table. It was more of, I'm going to go to school. I'm going to get good grades. I'm going to go to college. I'm going to get a good degree and I'm going to get a job and you know that whole thing. But uh, just kind of to compress a little bit of my story, when I graduated high school, um, I turned down a full ride academic scholarship and I decided instead to go into an internship program here in South Carolina called South Carolina School of Leadership, uh, which was focused on a lot of ministry oriented things as well as leadership development, interpersonal communication, um, strengths development, really stepping into more of uh, a leadership role and uh, in essence, I was trying to take it as a gap year because I didn't necessarily want to go to college because I had so many people that were friends that were graduating college with copious amounts of debt only to take on jobs that they only took because they had to pay back the debt and they weren't in degree fields that they even studied for. And so I didn't see a return on the investment of uh, of a college education, even though I had been kind of given it. It was like, here, you can have a free college education. And um, it was very, very challenging time because uh, I know, you know, even the conversations that I had with my parents, they were like, what, you've worked your whole life for this, right? Well, fast forward, I went through that uh, two-year internship program and I ended up going into sales and I built a, a very successful career in sales, um, got married, had, had a first kid and um, ended up becoming a top 1% producer in this $400 million a year company doing really, really well in sales. Uh, but I never felt like a salesperson. Like I just never felt like I was good at sales, but the numbers didn't lie. <laughs> the numbers like, hey, David, you're generating millions and millions of dollars in sales. Uh, what are you doing uh, that's different than everybody else? And it was through this process where I started to realize my approach to business and um, I've always been obsessed with personal growth and personal development. I'm always reading. I'm always listening to podcasts. I'm always studying. I'm always trying to grow and expand is that my philosophy about business was always people over profits. It was like people have to come first. Your team has to be prioritized. Your clients have to be prioritized. And um, when you uh, when you focus on serving other people and serving them well, 
and loving them well and solving real problems, my belief was always that the money would follow. Um, that had proved out in, in my sales career. I was always focused on, you know, just, you know, what's your problem? Let me see if I have a solution. Like, let's talk through this. Does this feel like a good fit? You know, what are your hesitations? What are your concerns? And really just communication and questioning and learning how to ask better questions to, to drill down deep into understanding who I was helping. Um, and in that process, uh, they, the, the company that I've been working for, they started asking questions and they're like, hey, are you doing something unethical or wrong here? Because you're doing a lot better than everybody else as far as sales, but you don't follow the scripts and you're not really doing this how you're supposed to do it. And I ended up kind of cutting my teeth in coaching because of the transition in that period where they're like, can you start training our sales team? Like, can you start working with some of our highest uh, sales producers and teach them whatever the heck you're doing? <laughs> and uh, so I started really cutting my teeth in coaching in that space. And then I transitioned into a senior management role, um, was overseeing a team that was, uh, you know, generating millions of dollars in sales. But I was like many people listening to this podcast, I'm like, I don't deserve to be in this role. Why the heck am I in this role? I am underqualified, <laughs> definitely. Um, and I don't really know what I'm doing. Like, I'm just kind of making it through. But in that process, there was a lot of pain that started happening um, because I was transitioned into that, that senior management role kind of against my will. I didn't really want to. Um, and in the process, I ended up going through one of the toughest betrayals of my life because of some things that I saw happening in the company that I was honest about. Um, I believe in operating from a place of integrity and I came forward about those and that blew up in my face. And in the series uh, of, of less than a year, my wife and I went through a miscarriage. I had a $40,000 pay cut um, and I was literally berated and cursed at because I, um, I had just chosen to be honest about some things. And so during this time, I'd also really, really been struggling with this whole American dream uh, that many, many uh, of us are familiar with, because by the time I was in my mid-20s, I had achieved it, Trey. I had the six-figure salary, the glass corner office, the company car, the company credit card, I, you know, I, all of the trappings of what you're supposed to aspire to in the American dream owned a house, you know, like the whole nine yards. And I was, I was miserable every single day, you know, just fighting depression, anxiety, um, regular panic attacks. I was about 40 pounds overweight. Um, there was very, very dark, dark times. And a fateful meeting, I call it fateful. Um, it was definitely God-ordained in, in, in my opinion. I was sitting in a little Mediterranean restaurant, uh, the main street here in Columbia, South Carolina. And a mentor of mine, she, she looked at me across the table and I'm you know, pitching a fit about all my problems and woes and kind of just, you know, life's not fair and I can't believe this. And um, why am I so sad? Why am I depressed? Why am I like, I make this much money, but I've got nothing to show for it. Um, you know, I've been stabbed in the back. I've tried to be honest, like nice guys finish last, right? <laughs> that whole thing. And she said, David, who do you want to become? And Trey, it was the first time, um, 
it was the first time in my life that anyone had ever asked that question or that I was aware of. I'm sure I'd been asked it previously, but it was like the first time it like hit me because for many of us growing up, we were, you know, the whole question, like, what do you want to be when you grow up? What do you want to do when you grow up? I don't know about you, Trey, but I was always like pissed when people asked me that question because I was like, I don't have any flipping idea what I want to do when I grow up. I was just, I have no idea no idea what I want to do. And so all the people that seem to have like their plans together, um, it just frustrated me. I was the same way until literally several years ago when my son broke me out of my shell. So sorry to stop you. I just, I had to completely agree. Like high school, even the military, I wasn't sure, had no clue. Getting out, had no clue. And, you know, (laughs) I was sitting there, I've said this in previous podcasts when I was doing uh, some leadership de- or not leadership, uh, personal development. I was watching a Les Brown uh, video and mm-hmm. it was at the Thunderdome and he had spoke about um, his stories and my son came home from school and he said, you know, Trey, or he didn't say Trey, but he said, you know, dad, <laughs> uh, I always saw you doing something like that. And I sat back and I said, what do you mean? Cause he had a motivational speaker that came to his school yeah. and I sat back and I was like, wow, you know, my, and I asked him, I said, so why do you think I should go and do something like that? And he told me, he's like, because you're always helping people. And it, that's when it hit me. And sure enough, that's when I, I went into Tony Robbins and started doing the um, coaching program through Tony Robbins and led me to where I'm at today. But um, so anyways, so enough about me. I just wanted to interject and say, yes. So there (laughs) could be people out here. You could be in your 30s right now. Who knows, 40s, 50s, and still be lost. You know, there's people we talked offline, people in KBB that are 60, 70 years old and still haven't found their their sweet spot yet. So um, that being said, let me jump back over to you and continue this amazing talk. Yeah, Trey, I think, you know, just, Quick little side note for anyone that's feeling lost. Um, you know, one of the most powerful and freeing thoughts is that um, I, I had someone, I, I don't know who to attribute the quote to, um, but they said, they said, you're not lost. You just don't know where you're going yet. Right. And so is that yet? You just don't know where you're going yet. You're not lost. Right. Um, and I think that there's a distinction there. There's a distinction there because although a lot of times we feel like, you know, there's, there's like, even now today, Trey, um, I don't know what, I'm not one of those people that has like the five year, 10 year, 20 year, 30 year. Uh, I don't think they're useful. I I think it's good in, in certain elements about like visualization of dreaming of what we see for ourselves and our lives, as far as, you know, certain achievements, but overall, I really feel like what's more useful um, is, is, you know, three, six, nine, 12 months is looking out those things that we can really, we can actually see based on where we are. Because if you think back three years ago, it's almost impossible to have visualized or thought like that life was going to look the way that it does now three years ago, right? There's so much that happens in the course of three years or five years. And so for anyone that is is wrestling with that, oh, I feel like I'm lost. My biggest encouragement to you is that um, maybe you're not lost. Maybe this is a, an invitation for you to uh, to really take a step back and assess, okay, it's not about what I do. 
It's about who I'm becoming in the process. And am I the person that I, you know, said that I would be years ago or six months ago, or even when I was a kid? And if not, what needs to change in me? What needs to change in me for, for me to become who I want to be? Because a lot of people, Trey, are, are wrestling with this. Well, what should I do with my life? What do I want to do? What, I, what do I want to do, 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 right? And what I've found is that when you first define who you want to become, what you need to do gets crystal clear. Because then you have something that you're aiming at. You have this target. That is the version of me that I aspire to be. And I'm going to focus and align my life with that version. And so now I'm here in the present and I look at that version. I can start operating from a different place. I can start thinking, okay, are my actions and the choices and decisions and things that I'm doing, the actual doing of the day to day, are those things helping me to become more like that individual or not? Are they useful? Are they aligned? And then even stepping into that place where you're thinking from the end, you're starting with the end in mind. If I was that person that I want to be 10 years from now, five years from now, six, six months from now, what decision would they make? Right? It changes how we approach things. So back to the story, I, um, I had never had, again, someone asked me that question where it really just rattled me to the cage. And who do you want to become? And Trey, it was the first time that, you know, again, not only that I, I'd really registered that, but I realized I had never given myself permission to answer that question because I thought I wasn't allowed to especially with my, my faith um, background and upbringing. I, and there was, you know, not just the spiritual side, but like there was some religious conditioning around, you're not allowed to define anything about your life. Your life is God's and God's in control and God's the one and he has a plan. He has a purpose and you've got to find your calling, find the thing that you were placed here to do. And so I had painstakingly like just I had almost killed myself struggling to try and find this stupid thing called a calling, <laughs> trying to like, I, I, I mean, it was excruciating trying to figure out, God, why am I here? And what is this all for? And what in the world, like, what is your purpose for my life? And what is the plan for my life? And, and Trey, I'm going to share another quote with you that a mentor of mine, he just completely, he said, what if the calling of God and this is regardless of anyone's faith background, belief. If you don't believe God, you can call it universe or whatever. But what if the calling of God is not an expectation to live up to? What if it's not something to fail? But what if it's an invitation into the limitless potential placed inside of your life to go after everything that is inside of your heart? And it was in that moment, Trey, where I realized that I had been playing so small because I was scared of these things like arrogance. I, I had zero confidence in my life because I was terrified of arrogance. <laughs> and for anyone that knows, like arrogance and confidence can look a lot alike, <laughs> right? But there's a difference and there's a distinction, right? And I had never given myself permission to really dream because I thought it was selfish. Like, no, it's not my will, God, it's your will. Thy will be done, right? God, what's your purpose? What's your plan? And then I started praying through this and really wrestling with what in the world do I want to do with my life? Who do I want to become? 
And I'll never forget I was praying one day and there are very few times in my life that I felt like I really heard the voice of God, like clearly, not audibly, but just like, I don't know if you've experienced that before, Trey, but you like, you know, like it's just different. And he said to me, David, why is it so hard for you to believe that these passions and these things that are inside of your heart, the things that you desire to go after, that you feel selfish about, you think are selfish for you to want, you think are selfish for you to pursue? Why is it so hard for you to believe that I put them there? And that changed everything. Because I started to realize that these things that I had wanted to go after that I felt like I wasn't allowed to for whatever reason, or because they were selfish endeavors, or because they were, you know, building my own kingdom, I started to realize like, no, those are those things that I have been pushing down most of my life are actually the very things that if I lean into and start to go after are the answers to the questions that I haven't been able to answer around fulfillment, around joy, around passion, around peace, around contentment, because I had been stifling things that God had placed inside of me because of fear, because of fear and limiting beliefs. So it was in that moment when she asked me, I said, I have no idea, Jesus. And she said, nope, you can't answer that. <laughs> That's not an acceptable answer. Because she's like, who do you want to become? Or like, who would you want to be like? Who would you want to model or emulate? Or who is someone you admire? And I like, you know, jokingly, I said, Jesus. And she's like, no, you can't say that. Pick a person, like another person. <laughs> and so I'm like, I don't know. Um, I mean, I have to qualify this, but I guess I would say Tony Robbins with a few less F words, and I definitely don't want to travel as much as him, but I love the fact that he's had a tremendous impact on people's lives. And um, yeah, and so that was the first thing that came out of my mouth. Um, and since that day, um, I started to realize more and more clear, like clearer now than ever before, that we are literally the authors of our lives. We literally hold the pen and changing your life is something as simple as saying, okay, this is who I am. I acknowledge it. I accept it. I recognize it. I own the fact that my decisions, my habits, my behaviors, my choices have brought me to where I am today. So if I want to create a different future, it comes down to my choices, my behaviors, my habits my beliefs. So what do I need to do to change in order for me to align with the version of myself that I want to become? And taking the time to really give yourself permission to dream. And uh, since that moment, Trey, that was about, was about four years ago, um, my life has completely changed. Like there's, it's nowhere near the same. <laughs> no you know, David, I've said this already, but you and I are very aligned. <clears throat> And one of the things that set me along my path as well, before I truly knew it, I was searching for answers. And I asked, you know, being military, I said, what the heck is the difference between two soldiers that go through the same exact event? And one is comes home and is so thankful and, and sees their family and kisses them, hugs them, and is just happiest as can be. And the other one comes home and has the, the demons inside and ends up taking their life. And that question right there is what led me into 
where I'm at today to discover, you know, same thing, what you were talking about with, with God and everything else. The one thing that we have is the power of choice. Even if somebody thinks that God places it there or, you know, the universe or anything else, the one thing he also gave us is that power of choice, the power to sit there and, and live in pain and live in suffering and continue the way that you are, or you have the choice to go out and change it. Yeah. And, um, man, what a, what a powerful story. There's so much that you've truly unpacked already. And I haven't got to some of the questions that I eventually wanted to ask. I hope so, I didn't um, ramble for too long. I was like, how do I like what, what parts? No, are <laughs> no. the reason why I do stuff like that is because it's authentic, right? It allows the floor to be open for you to take it where your heart desires. And that's where you can get some of the most powerful stuff. Um, I don't know if you know Bryce McKinley, uh, same thing. He's he's come on, he spoke with uh, on the stages with John Maxwell, Tony Riz, stuff like that. So um, his story is in one of the podcasts. I don't know exactly what number it is, but uh, Bryce McKinley, wow. He, um, you know, he ended up having multiple, uh, was it nine figures and ended up losing everything, spending it all and ended up homeless living out of his car, uh, ready to basically kill himself. He put a gun into his mouth and pulled it and it ended up, uh, basically jamming. He said that that gun's never jammed ever again, but it jammed in his mouth three times. And that's when he said, okay, God, I got it. And he changes his world around and he's back up there nine nine figures not is it nine might be eight figures i could be wrong on that but um regardless so the power of choice man all of us have it all of us can do something and don't ever take that away so david thank you so much for sharing that stuff um what you do one of the things you kind of glazed over is about your business right uh what would you say that that conversation with that individual led you to be a coach four years ago or what specifically? So it was kind of a compounding of what I was already doing. I've always, um, I've always found that one of my natural strengths is questioning. I, I love questioning and not in an abrasive way, um, but, and not in a insincere or disrespectful way. I just, I really believe in context and I really want to drill down and understand um, and my, you know, my number one strength for every strengths test I've ever taken was empathy. <laughs> Excuse me. So within that, I was really good at questions and really good at, at stepping into other people's shoes and trying to understand from their perspective. It just kind of came naturally to me. But as a man, like growing up, empathy was always to me conveyed through kind of the, uh, the, you know, feminine energy, right? Like it was not a manly characteristic. So I never owned it. I never, I was just like, I never wanted to talk about it because it just supposed to be a man, right? <laughs> you know? And so in that process of, of having the conversation with her, she helped me understand and see that my perspective on sales and marketing and business was incredibly rare. Um, and now this mentor, she, you know, just had done incredible things in her career, but to hear that from her meant like 
she wasn't just uh, saying it to flatter me. She meant it that my, you know, my approach to how I saw business and how I saw teams and how I saw sales and marketing operations and how those things could all be intertwined and centered around inclusive culture and diversity and, um, you know, empathy infused into every part of, of that, of understanding the strengths and uniqueness of, of different team members and creating uh, just incredible connected community uh, to serve the clients of a business, right? Um, for me, the coaching aspect was something that I, again, I had cut my teeth kind of in the corporate space. So it was to me, somewhat of a natural progression when I went out on my own and started my own business, because the focus was a lot on sales and marketing, but that has kind of evolved over time into more consulting role. And so I do still do um, kind of some of the coaching aspects, which is more of like this integrated life and business coaching, uh, which is working with specific types of service-based entrepreneurs. So I do a lot with health, uh, health coaches and physical, physical trainers, um, work with those that are also in the consulting space, um, a couple different agencies, uh, designers, you know, different, it, it all, it spans the gamut of different types of businesses, but it all starts with the leader, right? It all starts with the leader and working with them and helping them to, uh, to make the necessary changes uh, for their business to grow. But that, again, was something that she kind of poured, I guess, what you, you know, is like, coals on the fire. Is that the right way? Is that the, is that, that the phrase you, you use where she kind of called that out of me? She was like, she's like, David, do you realize like, if you took your understanding of sales and marketing and business and this empathy and you, you know, created something with it, this would not only be incredibly helpful to businesses, but it's something that you could get paid handsomely for. I was like, wait, really? And so is that process, um, or through that process, I realized like I had a, a lot of skills deficits. There was a lot of gaps in understanding certain skills around, you know, particularly building an online business. And so I started building and understanding more about digital marketing and online sales and funnels and websites and social media and all that kind of stuff. And so there was basically a year to a year and a half period where I just went full tilt into learn mode um, after hours, like just trying to build, 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 build until finally I was able to make that transition uh, where I just walked in, turned in my two-week notice, and was like, I'm out. And that was um, terrifying, number one, but it was the best decision I've ever made. And now I get to have breakfast, lunch, and dinner with my kiddos and you know, dance in the kitchen with my wife at 11 on a Tuesday if I want to. <laughs> and so, um, yeah, I, I don't know if that answers your question, Trey. But... Absolutely. And that's the most powerful thing. And truly, that's why everybody gets into entrepreneurship is to have that control and do what they want to do and the freedom. Yeah. You know, and um, the hardest thing and the scariest thing is to walk away from a sense of security of, of financial security of a nine to five job. Yeah. Yeah. And by doing that, it can truly open up the whole world to you. There's so much that you said earlier and I'll, I'll try not to go back to all of it, but um, just the opportunity to truly forge your life is there. And where I'm, I, I'd like to lead this, you, t you spoke about empathy, and this is truly something I love to talk about is uh, leadership through empathy. And as you were speaking the, the previous story about sales and everything else and not really knowing how to do it, and once again, I, I've spoke about this, I think on a Facebook post, 
where like literally maybe three days ago, and I, I told some of my sales story where I went through three solar uh, sales positions within about six months. And one of the things that defined me, and by that third company I was, I was an assistant district manager running a team. And what made me different was the fact that I cared about everybody else underneath me to make sure that they were surviving, to make a living, to make the sales. So that way, if they were not struggling, it would make my life and people above me a whole heck of a lot easier. And you know, the leadership above me did not see it eye to eye with me. And they were like, Trey, you just need to get out there and go get more sales and this and that. And um, long story short, I left, you know, so um, that just showed that they didn't care about the team as much as, you know, what needed to be going from a military aspect of, hey, it's all about the team, because this is who is going to watch your back and make sure you come home. And when you can build that trust and that camaraderie, it changes the world. And in sales, they talk about building rapport. But if you can add that empathy in there and truly understanding, that's what tips it over. Um, you, and I, you and I will have to talk about this offline in regards to what I have coming out this year or finishing up this year. Um, but yeah, so that being said, fierce empathy is basically what you tr your true passion is at this point. And one of the questions that I had for you is, what are the different types of empathy? So it's a great question. It's a big question um, because empathy can kind of be broken down into uh, a couple of different uh, constituent parts. You have what's often referred to as um, like the skill of empathy, which is something that people can develop, which anyone on the planet can deploy empathy by just practicing it, right? It's just a, a developable skill. It's something that you can, and, and sometimes I get the, the terminology confused. It might be the difference between a talent and a skill, but either way, there's, there's a, a component of empathy, which is accessible to any human being on the planet, uh, short of having a mental illness where literally you don't have the capacity for empathy, you know, narcissistic personality disorder or something like that. But when you talk about that type of empathy, it's very different than what I would consider um, these, these things we call gifts or strengths, right? Uh, you've got something that you're naturally born with, which uh, every human being on the planet is born with uh, diverse strengths, right? You, we, you, you've probably heard um, at one time or another, it's like, oh my gosh, that kid is super gifted, right? At that thing, right? It's just, somebody's gifted in a certain area. And this is where, you know, it would be a whole nother conversation about the education system. But in and of itself, I think many of us were never taught, um, were never taught or received training on our specific strengths and how we are hardwired. Because uh, fortunately, through, you know, um, neuroscience and, and research and study, you know, you know psychology, psychiatry, uh, we're understanding more and more about the brain every single day. But one of the things that uh, is an ongoing debate is that nature versus nurture. Like some people, it's just in their nature and some of the things are just nurtured. So there's a part of empathy that can be nurtured, but there's also a part of empathy, which is nature, where you look at two individuals and one person, you're like, oh, that person has a lot more empathy than that other person. Um, and it's because it's just kind of hardwired into them as an individual. 
And that's one of the things that I found is incredibly fascinating is that there are people out there that you know, we would often refer to as empaths or someone that has that natural gift. Like it's something that uh, you've just had for forever. Now there are a lot of things that can tie into that. And there's a lot of studies going on about it um, because there are people that have highly empathic tendencies that have suffered a lot of trauma. And it's a trauma response because of not feeling like they were safe when they were a kid or in certain situations. And so they became very attuned to uh, their environment, being able to read environments and read people. And, re and there's, there's a lot of stuff that I found even in the military. A lot of people come out of the military and have that capability because you're just so used to having to read the room. You get so used to a tune, but it's really a traumatic response. Like it's a, it's a trauma response <laughs> because if you don't, you're at risk and someone could die, right? As a kid, it's a little bit different because um, you're not necessarily going to die, but you might get, you know, um, knocked upside the head, or you might have, you know, there might have been an you know, abusive family situation or, or something, uh, you know, there's, there's so many different scenarios when it comes to trauma, but that is not, um, in, in, the, in my experience, in the conversations that I've had, it's not universal. There are some people that just have it as a strength. It's just a natural gift and you have more of it than, than other people naturally do in the same way that you might be you know, highly empathetic or empathic, but your significant other is naturally organized and maybe you're not organized at all. And they don't have to try to be organized. It's just a strength of theirs, right? <laughs> we all have these different strengths. And so it's learning how to value those things. But when we talk about um, fierce empathy specifically and, and what distinguishes that, uh, I think a lot of times empathy is misconstrued um, as enabling, right? And empathy is not enabling. Um, a lot of times people look at sympathy or compassion and think that they are uh, a form of empathy and they're not necessarily like empathy is tied to compassion, right? But empathy and sympathy are two very, very different things. But the empathy in and of itself that I refer to as fierce empathy, which is kind of the driving force behind my entire brand is, is doing everything within our power to fully see, hear, and understand from another person's perspective while simultaneously holding space where we don't forfeit our autonomy or our agency, our emotional state over to the other person because of what they're dealing with. And we're willing to speak the hard truth in love despite whatever discomfort may follow. So an example is that you know, Trey, you come to me and you're talking about all, you know, some problems that you're facing in life, right? Something that you're dealing with. Trey, I see you, man. I hear you. I get it. I understand. You know, if I was in that position, I'd probably would feel the same way. Empathizing, right? Like, I get you. I got you. But if you're someone that we have established trust and rapport, it is incumbent upon me as the individual to say, Trey, um, you know, I've got some thoughts about that. Are you open to hearing? Are you looking for advice? Are you looking for my insight, my opinion? Or are you just needing to share? Are you just needing me to hold space? Are you just needing me to love you right now? And you know, while you figure this stuff out. That's where a lot of times we miss it. Is that a lot of empaths will go straight into fix it mode, straight into, oh, here's your problem. This is what you got to do to fix it, right? And that's not always helpful. It's not always good. But if you were to come to me and you were to say, hey, David, I'm dealing with these things. And I say, Trey, and I appreciate you being vulnerable. And man, I, I probably would feel the same way if I was in your shoes. Um, I have some thoughts. Would you be open to hearing them? And you say, no, I'm good. I have to respect that. But if you say yes, like gloves are coming off. Like Trey, I love you, man. But you're lying to yourself right now. 
You're not being honest with yourself about this, 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 and this. This is your fault. This is your responsibility. You're the one that's causing this problem. And you have to recognize you're making some excuses over here is that it's willing to speak the hard truth in love and respect for the other person, but it is very confrontational. It's saying, I care about you too much to let this go unspoken because otherwise I'm enabling you to continue to harm yourself or harm other people or to do these things that are gonna consistently get you the same result you've gotten over and over and over again. And I say in fierce empathy, I would rather speak the truth in love and you walk away from the relationship because you felt offended or hurt or whatever um, and have planted a seed because ultimately I can't control your emotional response, but I can do my best on the front end and be like, Hey, like I'm not trying to offend you. I want you to hear my heart. I love you, but here's the dealio, right? When we do that well, I think it creates an environment of, of, of real transformation that the world is starving for. Now it has to be invited. Accountability that is not invited is dangerous, right? You can't just go around telling everybody here's how to fix all their problems. You're gonna get decked in the face. But, but when you have trust and rapport with that individual, you've established that. I think of some of the most impactful things that have ever happened in my life are when people were willing to tell me what I didn't want to hear, but that I needed to hear. And my respect for them went through the roof because they said, I'm willing to sacrifice this relationship because I care about you. If, if me telling you the truth means that you sever this relationship and walk away, at least I will know that I loved you well and planted that seed. You know, as I'm sitting here listening as well, and it all definitely relates. One of the things that I sit here and I think about is when you have to be ready to hear it to make a difference in your life. So have you ever come across a problem where people say, yeah, sure, I'm, I'm open to hear it, but they, they're not listening? Yeah, it's uh, the Bible talks about that. It says, don't cast your pearls before swine. <laughs> There's a, you know, it's, it's a verse that it seems very offensive in the Bible, but the reality is, is like the context is you don't take the good things and the gifts that you've been given in your own life that have helped you and you just throw them at the feet of anybody, because if they're not willing to receive them, they'll just trample all over them and you're going to have wasted your time and your energy. And if anything comes out of it, it's going to be resentment. You're like, well, I tried to freaking help you. Why aren't you taking my advice? Right. You said you want it, but that's where, again, the trust and rapport and the relationship, why depth in our connection is so important and why that accountability, it can really only be in an environment of trust because, it, you know, none of us want to be held accountable. Like it doesn't feel good unless we've invited it. If I come to you and I say, Trey, like I want to go to the gym, you know, every single day for the next 15 days, will you hold me accountable? That's different because now when I don't go to the gym, and you hold me accountable, I have no right to get mad at you because you're not, you're not the one being like, well, I told you, you had to go to the gym. You're gonna say, David, you're failing yourself, brother. You're the one that told me to hold you accountable. And you are the one who didn't go to the gym, get your butt to the gym, right? It's an invited accountability because you, you, we've allowed that to exist. Um, again, if you try and force accountability and you try and share these good things with people that aren't ready to hear them, you're going to find yourself exhausted and you'll eventually start to hate people and you'll get very you know, resentful. You'll say, well, why did I even waste my time? Well, you wasted your time and that's your fault. It's not their fault. You should have done a better job of assessing 
<laughs> before you you tried to fix the situation, right? Now, you, you kind of brought this up a little bit ago. And can you tell us a little bit about the difference between empathy, compassion, and sympathy? Yeah, yeah. So, uh, so compassion is, um, is one of those things that it, empathy is, is intertwined, right? Um, compassion is more of like that, um, that love and that affection side, um, it, it, as far as my understanding of it. Um, the compassion, obviously, if you break compassion or passion out of it, right? is that it's this, um, it's a deep, intimate form of like, I, I, I really genuinely care, right? But genuinely caring and really feeling love towards another person doesn't mean that you can necess necessarily understand cognitively what they're dealing with, which is more of that empathy, is more of like, I can put myself into this person's shoes and understand how they're feeling from that perspective. And then you can even take it a layer further for those of us that are our empaths is that we can literally feel it. So if someone's in pain, it's not just, I know what I would feel like if I was in your shoes. No, we literally feel the pain with them. It's like a sharing of it. Uh, or you can sense that walking into a room, you take on those, those feelings and emotions of other people. Um, that sounds a little woo-woo to people that don't get it, but I promise you it's, it's a real thing. And it's, it, you know, uh, many of us still don't fully understand it, but it's true. But the sympathy, the sympathy is really uh, more of like, I feel bad for you, right? That's why you hear people say like, I don't need your sympathy. Is I, I feel bad for you. I feel bad that you're in this situation. I'm, I'm sorry that you're in this situation, but there's no actual connection of the, you know, there's no real energy tied to that. It's like, well, Trey, you know, your wife decided to uh, kick you out of the house. Sorry, man, that sucks. That's sympathy. That is not empathy and it is not compassion, <laughs> right? And so there are layers to that. Um, that I think they overlap and intersect, but uh, empathy in and of itself is saying, okay, if I was in Trey's shoes and my wife kicked me out of the house, how would I be feeling right now? And the reason that's important to do that is so that I can know how to better relate to you and how I can better serve you and how I can better love you. The whole reason isn't so that I can just understand what's going on in your head. The reason is, is so that I as an individual know how to best help you in whatever the situation is whether it's just to shut up and let you cry on my shoulder, or if it's to remind you of the greatness inside or whatever it is, that's part of being able to determine and distinguish what needs to be said because you're empathizing, right? And when you're able to actually do this on a different level, because I, I definitely consider myself very empathetic uh, or living a life of, of empathy and yeah. Sometimes that, that can get in the way of myself um, and really put myself into other people's shoes. Uh, you're the type that can sit there and listen to a conversation, have somebody just continue on and on and on. And um, <laughs> like you said, even taking on their emotions, you know, I've, I've seen that, you know, people definitely start breaking down or start having headaches and, you know, uh, things with their body. And it, that's a whole different conversation, but um, thank you for breaking at least those three down. Um, I, as always, I always sit here and take notes uh, just for generalized questions because I always to come, try to come at this as if I knew nothing. And um, one of the things I did write down, and there's 
like I know we're kind of short on time here. I'm watching as we go because I could have so much more to ask you. Um, number one, I would like to. Well, let, let's bring up this first. What are some books or something that helped you to help grow your your empathy? Well, empathy specifically. Um, mm. Anything by Brene Brown uh, is is absolutely recommended for empathy specific. Um, there's also a book called um, Now Discover Your Strengths and uh, Strengths Finders 2.0. That's actually how I first was introduced to the fact that my number one strength was empathy. It's, um, it's a book that's in tandem with a test that I've taken three times over the past 15 years. And it basically gives you a rank order of your hardwired strengths, like the things that are just about you that have always been and will always, they will always be, that again are different than skills that you can develop and you know, grow, et cetera. Um, for me, again, I took that test, uh, three times over the course of 15 years and my top five never changed. They've been the same for the last 15 years and I'm getting ready to take it again, which will be 20 years. Um, and in which test is that it's called, it's called strengths finders 2.0, uh, okay. Clifton strengths. Um, it was actually done by Gallup. Uh, one of the biggest research companies in the world. Uh, and they've uh, aggregated millions and millions and millions of tests and data points uh, on the science behind this, which actually shows you what your top five strengths are and why you are naturally better at certain things than other people and why you're naturally not as good at other things. And so the, the point of it is to help you understand that we live in a world where everyone's trying to be well-rounded, which I disagree with. I don't think that's useful. I, contextually. Um, I think it's very important for us to learn and develop our strengths and to mitigate our weaknesses. And we mitigate our weaknesses by relationships. When we have relationships with other people that have different strengths and we can create deeper connection and we have that relationship with them, they can mitigate and offset our weaknesses and we can offset and mitigate theirs. And so it creates a very healthy dynamic, which is important in team cultures and things like that. Um, but uh, that and then the other one is I would say Loving What Is by Byron Katie. It's a fantastic book that is is really about emotional control and emotional awareness. It's not so much about empathy as it is. Um, I mean, it really is by the time you get to the end of the book, but it's more so about learning um, how to be at peace in in any situation and to um, to learn what is with is truly within your control versus what's not and how to operate from that place of loving reality regardless of it being chaotic and everything that comes against you um those are three that i would recommend awesome thanks for breaking that down and the other question i had is in regards to your business and in regards to fierce empathy mm -hmm. so can you break that down what like hey david you know i heard you on the podcast can you yeah. break down what you do or some things or um, what are some reasons people come to you mm -hmm. and how you can help them? Yeah. So the first question I always ask anyone is, is, um, is you know, it depends. Like, what are you looking for? Because are you looking for more uh, life and performance coaching? Are you looking specifically for business consulting coaching where we are going to be diving into sales, marketing, team development? Uh, are you looking for program structure, which has to do with just specifically working with your team? Uh, so programs, workshops, that kind of stuff. 
Um, are you looking for speaking? Are you looking for just like a type of inspiration or motivation to come in and, and um, you know, deliver, deliver a talk? And so for me, it's really hard. And I think we live in a day and age, honestly, Trey, that people feel like they have to have this one specific, like, here's exactly what I do and the problem that I help people solve. And that's useful to, a, to an extent. It's useful to the extent that you know who you're marketing to and who your ideal client is and um, what type of content you're creating, what you're promoting for advertising. But uh, for me, what uh, I've found is that anytime someone comes to me, it's just, a, it's just a conversation because I'm not thinking sale. I'm thinking relationship. I'm thinking, hey, this is another individual that I want to create a connection with and develop network and see if there's anything I can do that's useful to them and anything they can do is useful for me. It's not a here's a list of my fees and services. It's just not how I've ever operated. It's one of the things I think that makes me very different is that um, I'm not going to just go out and pitch and hawk my services to anybody. I'm very selective with who I work with. And I know that they're very selective with who they work with. And so that process is predicated on relationship. So if anyone was to ever say, hey, man, I, I don't really know if David could help me or if you can, you know, this, that or the other, I would say like, let's just create a conversation, you know, connect. I, I'm very intentional with my time to where uh, I have a lot of stuff I have to juggle on social media. But anytime someone sends me a direct message, I will respond to you personally. My team is very good about letting me know that there's like, unless it's spam, do not spam me. I will ignore you and block your butt. <laughs> Don't try and pitch me your shiny stuff in the DMs, but a genuine question, you know, my team will forward me stuff and, and I make sure that I get back to it in, in as timely manner as possible. Sometimes it might be a week or something like that, but I will get back um, because I really believe in creating actual conversations. And then from there, it's an explore, uh, exploration process. You know, I've done consulting for seven, eight, nine figure brands. I've done uh, speeches on different topics. I've, you know, you know that I've shared the stage with people um, that are incredible influencers like Tony Robbins. And uh, I don't like saying that I just do one thing. Uh, what I'm looking for is how can I help? How can I serve? What's your problem? Um, and let's just explore this together because I, I might not be the best fit for you. There's a lot of people, the vast majority of people that come to me thinking they want to work with me, find out, either one of us find out, this isn't the right fit. And so I will match them up intentionally with someone that can help them with what they, what they need. Because uh, I know what I like to do and I know what I really don't like to do. <laughs> um, so I, that's a very broad answer, but hopefully that gives you a little more context. No, I mean, at the end of the day, it's about reaching out, right? Because I, as David sat here and told you guys, that it's about creating the relationship yeah. and ultimately being a, a Rolodex. If I can't help you and give you those answers right here and now, yeah. then I will definitely point you in the right direction of somebody that would be best fit for you. Yeah. And that's why I love what David does. And a lot of the things that he has created over the time, it's not just about, Hey, this is a, a skill I want to go learn and, and do. No, he's, he's lived it. And he's constantly pouring out to other people to help change their life. So that being said, where can somebody go to find you to um, check out services or is um, we'll, we'll start with that one there. Yeah. So um, you can find me basically anywhere on social media. You can Google my name. You can find, um, you know, articles that have been written about me. You can go to my website, davidwaldy.com. Check that out. Um, that's fairly recent. I think actually I need to talk. 
I'm pretty sure you can go there and it'll work. I was having it remade and I'm pretty sure they're done. <laughs> so if you go there and it looks kind of wonky, uh, just, you know, whatever. But easiest way to connect with me is um, is on Instagram, honestly. Um, on TikTok, I don't get any direct messages. I've got, you know, um, a lot of followers on TikTok, but I, I don't have any direct conversations outside the comments. So if you want to have like a direct conversation with me, um, just DM me on Instagram with uh, and mention Forging Life. So I'll know that, you know, you came from Trey and we create a conversation. But um, other than that, yeah, just just connect with me on social. I am a, a human being with a family, love my kids, love my wife, and um, I, I love to connect with humans. <laughs> You know, for those that might be seeing this video, I just made an ugly face. And because you were talking about TikTok and first and foremost, definitely go check out David on TikTok. Um, I'm following him on there as well. Do you know what your handle is or your username is there? Yeah, it's, at, it's every, everywhere online is at David Waldy. At David Waldy, because I could have swore I sent you a message or something like that. So if you're not getting it, you can I don't know. if you, you can if we're friends. If we're friends. Gotcha. Um, but um, if not, yeah. So. <laughs> yeah, so definitely, like, literally, David, um, man, the amount of information he's giving on there. And not just that, but there's people out there, obviously, they're the keyboard warriors, that they're going to give flack about what we're talking about right now. Yeah. You know, the word empathy. Mm -hmm. And you know what? Most times it's because they're scared of what they can actually find out um, or who they could become or just who knows, maybe they just don't believe in it. But the thing is, you're always going to be closed off if you don't have an open mindset. So um, I, I think there were several conversations I was reading different posts and everything. And <laughs> I've never, I never before I've been on social media for a while now, but never before. Um, you know, TikTok is an animal, like there's a lot of love on there. But there's also I've never received more. Uh, the word I like to use is vitriol <laughs> from people. <laughs> Who, um, who don't get it. And, um, you know, I, I would just encourage just final thoughts for anyone listening to this is just remember that when you start leaning into who you are and redefining who you want to become, when you, you take time to really, really, like I've got three words I use is rediscover the dreams that are inside of your heart, redefine what is possible in your life and realign your actions with that version of you that you want to become. Because, um, you know, Trey, you asked in short kind of what the work I do. Uh, most of the work that I do centers around uh, behavioral patterns, habits, beliefs, and thinking patterns. Because when you can change those things, you can change your habits, you can change your life. When you start to shift how you see the world and how you see yourself and how you see other people, how you view sales and marketing and operations and your team changes, how you see God changes, how you see your spouse changes, how you see your kids change. It all starts within. And that's, um, one of the biggest things I would encourage every person that's listening to this is start within and just know that when you do start to own that, um, you will be a magnet. You will be a magnet and you will attract the people that uh, resonate with you. But remember too, that magnets also are very strong at pushing away. So in the same degree that you will be able to attract people, there's the same degree that you're going to push people away. And um, that is an okay thing. It's a healthy thing. It's a necessary thing. We are not meant to appeal to everyone. You won't. And if you try, you'll kill yourself. It's too oh, hard. David, that's very well said. <laughs> and so I know you have to, to kind of wrap things up here. Um, so you, you talked about Instagram and I kind of brought it to TikTok, but uh, can you explain 
It, well, first and foremost, is there anything you'd like to uh, give away in regards to listeners or at least uh, help them out? Is there any free information, resources, anything like that you'd like to tell them about? And then yeah, also absolutely. the Instagram as well, what okay. the Instagram username is. Yeah, for sure. So um, I have uh, the Fierce Empathy uh, coaching framework. It's the coaching method that I'm actually having redone right now. So hopefully by the time that this airs, Trey, I'll be able to have this um, pushed out. So that way there's a dedicated link. Anybody can go and grab that. Basically, it is, um, it, it's just a, a coaching guide. It'll help you understand how to uh, how to coach, whether it's yourself or if you are in a coaching role or anything like that, uh, how to actually do that and create transformational re uh, results for your clients. Because ultimately, they're the ones that have to do the work, but you're responsible for creating the environment in which that transformation can happen. And a lot of that is learning how to ask better questions and learning what questions need to be uh, dug into and understanding more and more about the beliefs and the, the mindset, the constructs of, of individuals. And so uh, hopefully by the time, you know, very shortly, Trey, I can get that over to you. But for, uh, for Instagram, for anyone else, um, yeah, I'd love to do something. Uh, I'd I do this in case the freebie, in case that coaching um, guide isn't available. Uh, we'll just go ahead and go with this. I would say the first three people that hear this, if you DM me on Instagram um, and my handle, I know Trey, you'd ask that is at David Waldy. So just at David Waldy. Um, if you DM me on Instagram with hashtag forging fire, um, the first three people, I will send you a free book from my, um, my uh, Amazon book list of books that have changed my life. So first three people just sh shoot me a hashtag forging fire or forging life. I'm sorry. I don't know I said fire forging life. <laughs> um, I was I'll, ready to correct you here in just a no, minute. No, I, a, I just, that, I, I'll I be think honest with fire, you. fire, fire. <laughs> I was watching forging fire when I came up with a forging life for the podcast, for the coaching, the branding and membership and everything else. And I was cool. like, man, our life is a lot like that, mm -hmm. you know, where we're, we're sitting there and we're put into the forge and pulled out, you know, beaten the crap and put back in. And eventually we come out to the masterpiece we are. And that's, that show sparked. I love it. The brand. So, but yeah, so forging life, go over and make sure you, uh, the link will be in the, uh, in the intro, uh, introduction down below. So you can go check that out. All his links will be there as well. I'll even add in TikTok and all that information for you guys. Is there any closing remarks that you might have for anybody today? Uh, Trey, I just uh, appreciate you having me. I think the last um, last thing I would say is um, give yourself permission to uh, to define who you want to become. As hard as it is, take some time to be intentional because um, life is just too short. Life is too short to spend it doing um, doing anything less than than what's inside of your heart. And I believe that when you give yourself permission to define those things, yeah, it's going to be uncomfortable. Sometimes it's going to hurt. It is going to feel like you're being forged by the fire. It's going to feel like you get burned. It's going to feel like you're getting smacked upside the head. And um, that is part of the price to be paid. But we get to choose our heart. You know, it's hard being broke. It's hard working in a job you hate. It's hard being in a difficult relationship. It's hard, you know, when you're dealing with uh, life situations that you didn't plan for. These things, like life can be hard, but we can make it uh, on our terms if we make the decisions and the choices, like you said, Trey, uh, to work on ourselves, uh, to start working within 
and defining who we want to become. So Trey, thank you for having me. I appreciate it and um, look forward to talking again soon. Thank you so much for being with us, David Waldy. And uh, as always, everybody, live intentionally and make the rest of your day the best of your day. Thanks for joining us today on the Forging Life Podcast. If you're enjoying this podcast, first and foremost, make sure you check in the information block down below for all the great links for any of the guest speakers or any promotions that are currently going on. It is most important for you to take advantage of those right away. And secondly, I ask of you, if you are enjoying this, make sure you head over, whether that's on Spotify, Apple, Google, or wherever you're listening to this, leave a review that truly helps us out in getting this into the ears of others that may be able to take advantage of this as well. So as always, guys, thank you so much for being here, and I can't wait to get the next episode out to you.